Today's episode of Setting the Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. I'm popping bottles tonight. Come do for a fight if you're ready. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles, baby. Mm. I'm popping bottles tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to episode 28 of Setting the Edge. Uh, today we have a really special guest, George Foster, former NFL offensive lineman. Uh, Justice and I were going to talk to him about coaching culture, football culture, uh, stuff with. Uh, Mike Shanahan system back in the day, and then uh, a little Georgia Bulldogs talk, because that's where Georgia went to school. How are you doing today, George? Doing all right. Glad to be here. Glad you guys thought enough of me to have me on. And, um, <laughs> ready, ready to do it. Uh, we're, we're just two dudes with a podcast that cater to the people, so this is, this is what we want to give the people, and we're happy to have you on. I appreciate it. How are you doing today, Justo? Me? I'm solid. I'm a little hungover, and it's like Triple digits. We're north of Boston. Other than that, like I'm hungover and hot, but other than that, we're doing pretty fine. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's it's, it's hot as hell outside today. Um, but what I what I want to bring George on for is uh, the other day, I uh, he had an interaction with me on Twitter where he was talking about uh, or Dominican Sue said that Adam Gacy did a good job of uh, taking blame for his own mistakes and you know being able to communicate with his players that when I and I I thought that that was really need to have a, a person uh, in a position of authority to, I guess, not not to, to not just be demanding and bullying all the time, be able to admit when you're wrong. And I always thought that that would have been nice to have uh, when I was a play, when I played football uh, from my coaches. And I, th- I think George, you know, had the same sentiment where, I think you said it was Gary Kubiak who, who was really good with uh, admitting his own faults. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was an accountable guy. And so that kind of stuck out um, probably more so retroactively. And probably in retrospect, after I left, and you get to, you get to be around different sets of coaches and um, under different authorities, and you realize that it's not, it's not, it's not really a common thing. And so if you look back and it's like, okay, that was uh that was cool of him to be able to admit where he went wrong and while still uh calling guys out for their mistakes but but not but not um excluding himself uh from that call out session so to speak uh post game so um i i i always appreciated that about him and you know as in in addition to his his prowess as a as a play caller so what's an example of, uh, like, can you give us an example? I mean, you don't have to name names, but um, can you give us an example of a coach kind of not owning up to that accountability? Like, what what would that look like on, like, the NFL level or college that level? Would, that would look like um, just never, basically the opposite, just never admitting uh, things that they did wrong on game day, uh, failure to uh, prepare uh, the guys. Um, you know, some guys, 
some coaches are, have these big egos, and so you you'll never get you'll never get anything out of them other than uh, I'm always right, and I um, if it went wrong, it's not my fault; it's your fault. And so you know there there's been coaches like that that I've been around before, and um, it just is what it is. You know, co- coaches are humans, just like like everybody else and we all have those humans in our lives that that don't like to admit their wrongs either why do you why do you think it's so hard for some coaches to to admit when they're wrong i mean i we 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 coach high school football and obviously that's way way different from the nfl level and like the mindset to get to being a coach in the nfl is different but i never found it hard to admit like when i was wrong and being able to relay that to the kids i just feel like you build a better base of trust when you can admit when you're wrong and then they'll be more willing to take your your notes when they realize they're wrong too i've always thought that the coaches that could do that the best and relate to the players and own up to things have been the guys that that have been between the lines and have strapped it up played the game and they understand that there's always nuance and everything's not going to be perfect, um, and they can convey that to to their players, to the guys that they're leading um, on Sunday. So, um, like I mentioned, uh, Kubiak being one of those guys that stuck out to me as uh, as one of the more accountable coaches that I've had, and there's no coincidence that he he played in the NFL, and um, so he understands, he knows what guys are going through. He knows what happens in the heat of the moment. Um, doesn't mean that he took it any easier on us, you know, because he's gonna call you. He he called you out for your for your uh, screw ups that happened that day. But you know, if he screwed up that day also, it you know you heard about it as well. So this is kind of a conversation about. It seems like genuine coaches are the guys that you lean toward and i had a question kind of revolving around like first round draft picks basically so like mm-hmm. so like let's take houston for example right so they they basically spent their entire offseason uh figuring out a way to get brock osweiler off the books and then training for deshaun watson but then their head coach bill o'brien will come out and say you know he's still competing for a job as an nfl player like what, what do you what what goes through your guys' mind when you see like a first round pick coming in and you hear a coach say, you know, he's got to earn his job? Obviously, I mean, you want him to earn his job, but at some point, you know, do you just kind of like assume that he's going to be the starter? You know, you just see like the writing on the wall there. Like, what what, what goes through a player's mind in that situation? What as as the teammate of the first yeah. round pick? Yeah, like do, well, like do you, you, do you believe that? Like, I guess do you believe what coaches say when hot microphones are around? Uh, I, I think every culture is different. Every organization is different. Um, in the case of Houston, I think that you know it could it could that could that could be the case because quarterback is such you know it's, a, it's such a hard position to come into the league and play as a rookie that that there's definitely a learning curve and it just depends on how far along Deshaun is. You know, I don't. I think in recent years we've gotten so used to uh, guys, people wanting guys to play like now, now, now. When really the the recipe for you know 
a good young quarterback would be to sit down for a little bit and learn learn the ropes because it's 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 difficult for any other position to come in and play right away, let alone a quarterback. That's a whole different world. I I, I wouldn't want that. And I, I like the paycheck, but for the quarter, <laughs> I like the quarterback paycheck, but. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody having having to put a whole team on your back because that's essentially what you're doing. No, and which which offense did you play in that where the quarterback had the most control uh, of what happened at the line of scrimmage? Ah, what happened at the line of scrimmage? Um, I guess. I guess most of them do. You know, you you're gonna have your plays where you have two plays in one and. The, and you have uh, you can um, uh, make checks and all of that stuff. So I think that's involved. That's that's a bit a little bit involved in in every offense you're going to see nowadays, because you can't just go out there and be predictable. You have to be able to mix it up some and and and, and be able to uh, to counteract what the defense is doing, whether they move pre-snap, whether they disguise some things. And I think that's I think that's a part of every offense nowadays. Chuck, you alive? Oh yeah, my, yeah. my, my mic was muted. My fault. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, going back to what you said about uh, I, I guess having head coaches who have played in the NFL before. Where do you stand on websites like Pro Football Focus with with like their offensive line grading? Because we see, uh, you know, like Jeff Schwartz and other guys they get into it with uh, the Pro Football Focus guys all the time, and I think it's pretty funny. But I'd like to get like your perspective on the job that you think that they do, kind of uh, um, numerically grading the game. My 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 thing with uh, the PFF deal is. I don't. I don't know what's involved in their evaluation, you know. So I don't know what. I don't know what any of those numbers mean. I, it's like to me, it, it might. As well, I might as well be reading uh, hieroglyphics. It, it doesn't. I don't. It doesn't compute with me. Um, at the same time, I'm more old school. Um, that analytical way of of, of evaluating um, is a little is a little new. And I'm a football guy. I want to throw on the tape, and I want to tell you if a guy sucks or not. You know, if a guy is a backup, if a guy, you know, his strengths and weaknesses according to the film. And I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know what uh, PFF is looking at. You know, I was kind of, you know, probably like some of the other people. Like when you when you first saw that type of thing on the ride is like, oh, what is that? It's not it's not it's not real stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day I'm I'm gonna give people the benefit of the doubt and um hopefully it is tape driven. You know what I mean? If it's tape driven and it's just presented to us in a way that we don't understand, I guess I'm okay with that. But I think it is gonna have to always boil down to the tape. Because the tape, the tape is not gonna lie to you. So, so this what, is what if, 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 if the tape if the tape matches the numbers that they come up with, you know, so be it. So this is one thing that a lot of people have talked about with 
with Pro Football Focus. I've seen like specifically like former offensive linemen talking to him about this that they don't know what the play calls are, so it's wrong for them to to judge what a player is doing. But how how often are you like when you watch the film? Are you like I have no idea what what the schematics of this offensive line are? Not often, right? But like, I play, but I but, but I played the position. You know what I mean? Like if you if you never play if you never play offensive line, uh, it'd be hard for you to um. Put it like this. I'm just being real honest. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna evaluate offensive line better than most, better than ninety some percent of all people who do evaluating. That's that's my belief because I felt it. I've done it. I've played it. I've started. I've backed up. I've scouted professionally. So. I have that is is it's kind of hard to explain, but there's something innate about me looking at a guy on tape and knowing what he's going through. You know what I mean? Uh, a false step may look different to um, a layperson than it would to me. Like football hasn't changed that much over the years. All of the some everybody uses the same or variations of, of certain schemes. There aren't, there aren't but a few schemes in the NFL, and a lot of the terminology is the same. Uh, a, a lot of the scheming is the same, the combo blocks the and, 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 and double teams and this, who they're going to. It's all predicated on where the defense is lined up, how many people I have in the backfield, and things of that nature, how many tight ends. So I can watch, I can watch a guy – and know what he's supposed to be doing on a certain play, and that I can automatically say that okay, this guy doesn't really have it all together up top. He's done. He's he's gone the wrong way too many times, or things like that. Or I can go. Or I can look at and see if a guy if a guy misses a pass block, I can look and see if that that running back that's supposed to leak out that he clipped the tackle's heel and that threw him off. You know, so that's not really the sack on the tackle. If you understand what I'm saying, yeah, it, it things little, little bitty things happen like that all the time that the the naked eye won't see. And so it's kind of like, how are you grading it? Who did you uh, do scouting for? I scouted for the Rams for three years up until last season. How was that experience that, going from being a player to being a, a scout? Was was it like the, not, it, obviously responsibilities are different, but like your perception of like the organization? It was I was um, I was just opening. I was I was a sponge when I first got there. I, when I first I didn't get hired off the bat. I got there and um, they basically they told me I was going to be there for a couple of weeks and then just to see what I could do, and then a couple weeks turned to three weeks and then a month, and then next thing you know, I was there for a few months. And then I went through the draft process and gave my two cents on some things and just kept learning, kept learning. And then that summer, uh, that May, I got hired full-time, and then I spent the, I proceeded to spend the next three years as a pro scout. And um, it was kind of like... Um, Having played the game, it came second nature. I just had to learn the terminology and how to 
write it down and present it to to the gym, the 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 um the coaches and things like that. And I had to, and, and there's a uniform way of doing things, and I just had to learn that process. And it was kind of like trial by fire a little bit. And that probably was by design because I, if I felt like I was thrown to the wolves and I had to learn some things out for myself, but it ended up being good for me. So who was one of the, the guys that you were watching out of those drafts that was like one of your guys, you know what I mean? Like one of the guys you were trying to bang the table for and uh, that ended up having success at the NFL level that you were like, man, I saw that coming like two years ahead of time. Um, I'm trying to think. I do remember – before he was draft eligible, just noticing this, I was watching a guy, I was watching a receiver out of Northern Iowa, and um, I kept seeing this running back. I was like, this guy's smooth, man. He's smooth. He can catch the ball. You know what I'm saying? He runs, he, you know, he, he runs well. And um, and I just went and asked my director, my boy, um, Rand Carthon. I was like, what do you do when you see a guy that's, you know he's not on your list. He's not he's not draft eligible. He's like just 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 write yourself a note and and hold on to it and and see what he turns into. And then that guy was David Johnson. And um, I'll never you know I never forget that that um that uh kind of let me know. There have been a few instances that let me know. Okay, I belong. I know how yeah. to do this. Yeah, that that's that's really cool. He so you spotted then, David Johnson as a sophomore. I believe he was a sophomore. Wow, that's cool. I believe he was a sophomore. Um, and uh, it, it, that that also goes the flip side too. There have been guys that I didn't I didn't think highly of that other people thought highly of, and I I ended up being right. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like there's certain things that guys that, that – it's hard to explain, man. There's some mechanics to being a football player that some people just don't have and it doesn't lend themselves to ever panning out. Yeah. So who was one of those guys? Who's one of those guys that you were like, man, I, I don't believe in this guy, and then he ended up going high and busting? I don't know what happened. It, 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 it it um it kind of it kind of happens a lot, especially just if you say in, in in with linemen, you just some of them just not gonna pan out, and I know it. And and but at the same time, linemen don't grow on trees, so you end up having a lot of guys that not that aren't really good. They have to play, and some of them end up even playing on Sundays. See, just the way it, it's, just, it's just the way it is. You know, it's, it's not many people that look like me walking around in Walmart. You know what I mean? It's not that many people on the face of the earth that can play offensive line in, in the NFL. You know, same with you might have guys that are stupid. And this is for any position. Chuck, you did it. If you have a guy that's stiff, that you know, that you know can barely backpedal, can't can't get out of his brakes. You know, he's never going to be good. Never, no matter what he does. You know what I mean? He, he, you know, his genetics didn't didn't do it for him. You know what I mean? So it, it just happens like that sometimes. 
So you were with the Rams when they drafted Jared Goff then. How, like, how did that come down to, to being a thing like where they felt like they needed to trade up to get I wasn't, I, I, was, I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't with them this past Goff's uh, rookie year. Okay. Um, My last year was the year before. I was around for the Tavon Austin. His tape was amazing. His tape was ridiculous. Yeah, I think it was a game um, I had against uh, Oklahoma where he rushed for like 300 yards. I watched that tape over and over, and that kind of happens. That kind of happens during the draft. Like a lot of the hay is in the barn fairly early, and so in in the month leading up to the draft, you're sitting around and you just want to watch some tape because you got to go into the building. You know, even though a lot of the work is done, you're going into the building, and it's some, you might have some free time. And you're just watching tape, and that's when you start to fall in love with guys. That's how, that's how I truly believe guys start creeping up. Uh, draft boards, just like you get all this extra time to watch guys that you love, and they end up they end up just creeping up there. They're phenomenal players. I remember drafting Aaron Donald. He's an animal. He's probably to me. He's probably the best defensive lineman in the league, bar none. Did you, you know, all you know, wide included, all of them. Aaron was, Donald is a monster. Was Aaron Donald one of your favorite players? To watch like in college because when I was I used to watch him just to see like if I could get some tips from him but I'm I'm not two eighty five running a four five so it never really panned out for me like that. <laughs> yeah, he was he he's definitely one of the favorites to watch. I always enjoy watching him. I enjoy watching uh, Tavon coming out. Um, it was all uh, uh, you you knew guys like Fluker were gonna have some. Some limitations, but you just loved his his passion for the game and stuff like that. And and uh, trying to think, who else did I enjoy? Odell Beckham was was nice to watch uh, at LSU. And so there've been a number of guys, man. It's just fun. it's just fun. If you love football, man. It's just some fun guys to watch. Why do you, why do you think Tavon Austin has struggled to I, I guess you know match that production of a Top ten pick, because I, I thought he was gonna be a beast coming out. Uh, of college I think here. I think he has to, he I think he has to. Uh, it's a combination of things. I think he has to refine refine his route running, but at the same time, I think he has to be put in a position to succeed. I I, I don't think he ever he ever was sent deep enough. Not ever. Yeah, he was scared. Of, yeah. He was scared of crap. He was scared of crap out of nine of ten, nine of ten DBs, and he just they just never sent them deep. And I, I feel like I felt like you have to do that to keep a defense honest to back him up off you. He's he's you know he's already small, so you want to you want those guys to be backed up off of him. You don't want him crowded at the line, and all you have to do is send him deep a few times. And that's that. That'll be the end of that, because he's quick, he's shifty, he's fast, he's lightning, and um, is is you know, he has some he has some tools that would scare the average average cornerback, and um, you have to take you have to uh, use those, and I don't I don't think I don't think that ever happened. Um, you look at some of the guys that are in that similar mold with like Brandon Cooks and things like that. You know, Peyton figured out a way to get him the ball, 
to use his um, his traits to the uh, to benefit the team and to benefit the player. And um, I don't know if um, that's happened with Tavon yet. Hopefully, it happens this year with with the new coach. Um, but we'll see. You know, new coach had he had Deshaun in Washington, and um, that's uh, I think they can be used in similar ways. Yeah, it's always cool to see, or not cool, but I guess interesting to see like the different schemes uh, around the NFL and how players utilize or how teams utilize their players. And uh, another question I want to ask you is: You were uh, the right tackle for were you the right tackle for the Broncos in when, yeah. uh, when Mike Anderson ran for a thousand yards? And I'm a Falcons fan, so just kind of watching what Kyle Shanahan was able to do and looking back at the history of uh, like the Shanahan running backs, you know, starting with uh, Terrell Davis, and they would just pull these guys out of nowhere. It seemed like Selvin Young, Mike Anderson, Tatum Bell, uh, Alfred Morris in Washington. So, what what do you think? lens like that what do you think makes that scheme so proactive for running back success um it takes it takes a coach that knows how to teach it it takes an o-line coach that know how to teach the uh the scheme of uh the, the zone scheme and some of the finer points and some of the more critical points of the zone scheme and another um uh, there's two. I think there's two major things that have always been underrated when, when talking about the, those schemes, is one, the the actual running back. You know, those aren't. They might they, they might not be household names, but they they aren't slappies as athletes. You know what I mean? I feel like I feel like Mike uh, Mike Anderson. You know, hard nose tough dude. He was the older guy, had been in the military. He understood what it took. He took his job seriously and um, he uh, he was big and strong. He understood the scheme. You know, Tatum Bell, 4-3 guy. You know, he can get downhill and get and gain a lot of ground quickly. You know, I played with um, Ruben Drones, tough, hard-nosed guy. You know, not the most physically gifted, but you weren't going to just tackle him you know, play with Clint Portis, you know, same thing, tough guy, you know, quick feet, could get downhill and run, you know, and the reason they were able to do that was the guy that was teaching them, which was Bobby Turner, you know, it's yeah. not just, it's not just, hey, take this ball and cut back to daylight, because everybody think, you know, the zone schemes cut back, cut back, cut back. It's really not a cutback. It's really that the whole line has moved. Right. You know, it's not a cutback. It's you know, you you you're aiming. You, the running back has different aiming points and different keys to look at. You know, in that scheme. And um, when we did it the best, Bobby Turner was the one teaching it, and you know he made it go. So he was he was amazing. He was a he was a major key. The running back coach Bobby Turner. Yeah. He's 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 phenomenal. What, what do you think kind of set him apart, like from other running back coaches? Because it's, it's, it's I was like never I was I was never in the room, you know. But I, by the time I got to Denver, he had done it for a long time. You know what I mean? And yeah. So they 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 learned how I guess they figured out how to get guys that would buy in, and and they always had a good mix of young guys to veterans that could teach the guys what to do. 
And it's all a matter. It's just a matter of being coachable. You know, it's a simple scheme. You know, it's a simple scheme. It just has, it just has some critical components to it that if you don't have, you you know, you won't be successful. Like the backside cutoff. Like you have to get those guys on the ground. If you can't, you can't play, and the scheme won't work. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's it's running backs getting the right aiming points because you, you control the linebackers. You know the running backs. You 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 can you can block it up for your linemen just by your pad. And yeah. they have to know that. And so if if you have a a coach that that isn't hammering that in, and then you know you won't be successful. Like I remember BT Bobby Turner. He you know if you didn't get it, he'll pull you out. And another thing, and and in the same in the same vein, uh, Mike Shanahan he didn't he didn't have any favorites, so to speak. He took care of his veterans, but as far as favorites, like if you want to get the job done, you'd be out of there. And so there was there was a level of pressure to get it right, and guys got it right most of the time. Yeah did you uh, did you read that Monday morning quarterback piece? It was after the uh, after the draft where. The 49ers, they didn't even have uh, Joe Williams, the running back from Utah, on their board. And the, the, the right before day three, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan was like, we, we got to have this guy. So they took him in the fourth round. Uh, it, it just seems like these guys, like the Shanahan's, Bobby Turner, they have a really good eye for like the type of players they want at running back because they hardly ever miss. Yeah, it's just, it's just a matter of knowing what you're looking for. And... Um getting him in your building and and teaching him right away. You know what I mean? You're looking for the traits that you want. You want a guy that can get downhill quickly. You want a guy that, you know, you don't want a dummy back there. You want a guy that can learn. And you just um, you just get him in your building and go to work. Because at, at the end of the day, running back is such, is such an instinctive position. You're coaching those guys, but at the same time, you're not over-coaching them. Those guys have been running the ball since they've since they were in, in, in Pop Warner, and you know it, it, there's something instinctive about playing running back. That's why you you have so many rookie running backs that can end up doing well is because they've been doing this for so long. You know the learning curve is not the learning curve is not that you know it's, it's not the same as for a quarterback or a cornerback or whatever, you hand those guys the ball, you teach them, you coach them up a little bit, and you just let them do what they do. That that little bit on, on rookie running backs, that just made me think about Todd Gurley. Man, I, I, I want that dude to get back to where he was as a rookie so badly. I think I think that he's just electric, and to see him struggle last year, just it sucked. Uh, he wasn't um, – he's – Todd, if you, if, you, if you look at the history of Todd, He's never been a guy to complain or throw anybody on the bus or any. Um, but I don't. I don't feel like he was. I don't think he was. He wasn't. We feel like this. He wasn't healthy. Just from what I know, he he wasn't. He wasn't healthy, and it wasn't made a big deal media wise. So nobody knew. But the guy. The guy was hurt. And you know the the guy was the guy was hurt. There wasn't a lot of cohesiveness along the offensive line, and that's just that's just a recipe for disaster. You know, so 
the talent's still there. You know, he's going to be, you know, a few years removed from that um, knee injury. He's still he's still a, a beast of an athlete, and um, you just have to block it up for him and put him in put him in uh, position to succeed. And he's going to take off because he's um he's an animal. Yeah. As you can see, his rookie year, you saw his rookie year, and that was that wasn't one hundred percent Todd Gurley. He was probably maybe ninety percent if that. He's probably in the probably in the eighties. You know what I mean? But you know that he's a he's a he's a he's a physical freak. He generates a lot of power. Who are you some? Who are some of your favorite Georgia running backs to watch since you left? I I, I think Todd's up there. Uh, but I, I think I think Noshawn might be my favorite in the past like ten years or so. How about you? Yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna say um, I was gonna say Todd, but man, Noshawn was special to watch. Man, that guy that guy did everything. That's such a <laughs> you know he he could he could run he could catch he you know he he was strong you know he just um. He was he was he was good. I you know we've been we've been we've been fortunate, man. Like hell, I I enjoy watching Chubb. He's such he's he's awesome to watch. He's just a bowling ball man. Yeah, with speed with speed. And then like I enjoy, you know, I enjoy watching Sony Michelle what he does with the ball because even even lately he hasn't been used how he was early on. Like he's a heck of a receiver. You can put him in the slot and he's gonna break guys off. He just hasn't been able to do that lately. And then even he he's stronger than what guys think. He's a well put together running back. And um and so man, it's just been it man, it's it's been a number we we're really one of the people we're we're in contention for really being running back you because we've had a ton. Yeah, you we've, we've had a ton. Even some of the lesser known guys, I, I thought were fun to watch. Uh, like Thomas Brown, who's with Noshawn, when uh, early no, mid two thousands, yeah. I thought he was a fun running no, back too. No, no doubt about it. Pound for pound, strongest guy on the team, and he used to tote it. I thought he was. I thought he was going to have a long NFL, or or at least a decent NFL career. You know, it didn't pan out for him. He's he's become an excellent coach, but um, he was fun to watch too. You know, um, yeah, those guys, uh, Craig Lumpkin, big rumbling back. Oh, yeah. You know, Danny Ware. Uh, Danny Ware had got a ring with the, the Giants. Giants. Might have had two rings. Um, we just had, we just, we've just been, we've been fortunate to have running backs. And this year, I think they have the best, the best, the best, uh, backfield in the country. Like, you got two guys, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know why they came back, but I'm not either. complaining as, as a fan. <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought I thought I thought both of those guys would probably be gone in the top three rounds, and uh, but they came back, and so as a fan, I'm I'm glad. You know, um, that that usually doesn't happen. You don't like nowadays, like to 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 be a senior. You know you. They're looking for those juniors because good players don't last. The special players don't last to their senior years. And in this in, in this case, you got two that last to their senior years. And then you got the running backs 
behind them that they brought in that are really good. So it's going to be a stacked backfield. I'm excited. How do you feel about uh, like the offense coming up this year? Because uh, I, I know it was pretty inconsistent last year, but I, I think that you know with Chubb and Michelle coming back, there should be a group to take a nice leap forward next year. Yeah, you got Chubb, you got Michelle, you got Holyfield, you got Harrion, and you got the rookie, um, the, the freshman. I forgot his name. But he's from Philly, and um, that's a that's a that's a stacked backfield. Like you can really do some damage on Saturdays with that backfield because there's no break for the defense. Like there's like top tier after top tier running back coming in the game, play after play, series after series. And you don't get a break on defense as an opponent. Um, then you have the quarterback with a year under his belt and another off season, so he he'll get better. Um, I just want him to be more accurate on his deep ball, and with and along with that, um, the the freshman that came in has been pushing him, and so. I don't think I don't think he he doesn't have any time to 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 relax, which is good. You need that competition, and so I'm excited about the offense, man. Long as long as the offensive line, you know, is better, they have some big guys coming in. I don't know how many of them are going to play or are going to be ready to play, but we definitely got more beef up front now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Were you at Georgia the same time that Kirby Smart was, or was he, like, right before you? I played with Kirby for one, one year. How was and he? he did, did you see he came this? Back and he came back in GA. Kirby, as a player, was as smart as they come. Um, if, you, if you've seen Kirby, you could probably guess that he wasn't a top-tier athlete. You know what I mean? He's a little on the small side. Right. wasn't super fast. But he had a lot of interceptions. That's because he knew where to be and knew where knew where everybody else was supposed to be. And he played hard. He's tough, South Georgia kid. You know, um, dad was a coach, so he he's been around football since since he's been on this earth. And so, um, and you could tell in his play. You know what I mean? He wasn't the most physically gifted, but he made a lot of plays. And also, also a good dude. He came back and was a GA, and so I had we had uh, experience with Kirby knocking on doors, doing bed check, and all that good stuff. Doing you did bed check with Kirby? No, Kirby would bed oh, check. Oh, 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 oh! <laughs> I was gonna say that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, he, he he was back. He was back. He was back being a GA, and so and so yeah, Kirby was. He went from teammate to kind of like our, uh, you know, enforcer. How that that was probably pretty weird. <laughs> it happens. It happens. You know, guys that you know. I think Kirby went to camp with the Colts, uh, didn't make it, and I guess he figured out that he knew uh, what his future held, and so he came back and um, and started coaching. That's awesome. You were you finished your last season was with the Colts too, wasn't it in 2012? I was there. The uh, I got signed by the Colts. I actually thought I was retired. Then my agent called me and was like, "Would you work out for the Colts?" And I was like, "Sure." And I worked out for them. They signed me, 
Um, I got hurt the third preseason game, and um, uh, and the, which was a high ankle sprain. The funny thing about that is, up until then, I always thought high ankle sprain was just some myth, and that guys are being punks and this, that, and the other. <laughs> I found out real. I found out real quick that high ankle sprain is a real deal, <laughs> and it is painful, and it is pretty debilitating if you have to put weight on your legs. So, um, I, 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 I injury settled. Um, I rehab, but I eventually pretty much retired that year. So you, but I got to, I got to, I got to spend a good off, good bit of off season in camp with, with the Colts. So that was Andrew Luck's rookie year, right? How was he yeah. as a rookie? Like, did he come in and just grab everybody ASAP? Was he, was he that good? Yeah, you could see he was special. That ball, it was just something about he can do some things with that ball that are aren't aren't normal per se. And I've had a chance to go back, you know, since then. I um since I wasn't with anybody last year, uh, they let me come in, and um I, I was with the scouting the scouting uh, department uh, last summer for camp, and then the whole preseason. And it's just he's a special talent, man. He can just do some things with that ball that you you see it in the air, and then you, it might just drop like right in the bucket. It might curve. It might do. It might do some crazy things. He's he's a special special dude, and um, he's a he's a good leader. I would feel like he and Cam Newton get kind of unfairly criticized with regards to like how well they play the game. Well, put put it like this: the qu- quarterbacks. Don't grow on trees, and they are they are they are of the top level, and their 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 paychecks reflect that, and it's not by it's not by coincidence. <laughs> like they they are they are they 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 are you have to you have to know the game, and you have to see it up close, and you see how special those those guys are. It's not it's, they're not normal. They're not normal by any stretch. You know, Andrew, he hasn't had the best line in front of him in his time there, and um, I think they're they're trying to build that up because you got to keep him upright and keep him healthy, and um, and uh, just build some more things around him. But he, you know, he to, to me, I've always been a fan. You know, I I, I love his game. Yeah, I, I I think he's incredible. It's it's just so amazing to see how he's been able to elevate that team to the point where they were you know in the AFC Championship game against the Patriots a few years ago. And I I think everyone knows that that roster is not really that great. They don't they don't if they don't have Andrew Luck, I don't know how many games to win, if any. Yeah, and I think we you saw that. I mean? He's 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 been he's been. He's been that whole. He's been that team. You yeah. know, I don't. I don't think people. I don't think people realize what he's meant to that team, as as it relates to wins. Because they haven't. They haven't. As it relates to wins, they haven't been absolutely terrible. Right. You know what I mean? They've they've won some games since he's been there. Even that rookie year, you know what I mean? We were, you know. I still got the shirt somewhere that we got some shirts 
and um and in the Arians was like Arians and Pagano was like this is what people think of you and it was a shirt and it had the power rankings on the back and we were number thirty two maybe. Wow. <laughs> thirty two or thirty one. Thirty two or thirty one. That was his rookie year. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't care about that. We're gonna go out there, we're gonna play ball. And I didn't finish the season with them, but they ended up winning eleven games that year. Yeah. And going to the and going to the playoffs off the strength of having that quarterback. Do you find did you find the uh, the t shirt with the power rankings on it a little bit cheesy? Because I find stuff like that to be just kind of dumb sometimes. I don't know. I think I think in, in, in retrospect is really it was really it really sent the message. You know that's why I, I kept the shirt. I, I I really feel like that that it encapsulates it. Um, it's it's definitely Arians in a nutshell. Arians believe Arians believe he can kick anybody's ass. And I love coaches like that. That's how Shanahan was. You know, Shanahan believed that he can whoop everybody. And that's what I want in my coach. I don't want no coach that, you know, that has a tight butt on, you know, you know, butt hole tight during the week that we're going to play a good team. No. Like, we're we're grown men. You know, I'm, right. I'm not going to – I'm – I'm not gonna admit somebody could beat me. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and fight. You know, and so that's and that I like that I like that in my coaches. And so that shirt that shirt was kind of like, you know, when get the, the the shirt was kind of like screw you league. You know, we're better we we're not we're not the doormat of the league. We're better than that, and they went ahead and proved it. Yeah, they did. I, I, I like what they've done this offseason a lot, and I, I think that's a team on the rise. All right, uh, we're about uh, you know almost done here, but last question before I let you go. What what music have you been listening to lately? Lately? Um, the Big Boy, Boomerverse. Oh, man. That's <laughs> really, 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 really amazing album. Um, I had a chance to hear it. Early, I you know I, I live in Atlanta, so I, I go up to Stankonia sometimes, and um, so I was able to hear it um, a while back, and I was blown away. I, I couldn't wait for it to come out so I could have access to it myself instead of just like studio listening, and, you know, because you know they play it and then they move on to the next thing. It's like, what was that? <laughs> I want to hear it again, <laughs> and it's like. And so that's good. The two chains is good. Yeah. The um, the uh, what else have I been listening to? Um, Did you try out that Vince Staples album? I, you know, the Vince Staples. He he ended up not being what I thought he was gonna be. I my introduction to Vince Staples was on the Common song, The Kingdom. And I was like, I like this kid's flow. And then when the albums came out, it was like, eh, I don't, you know, it didn't grab me. You know, so I gave it a listen the other day. It still didn't grab me. There was yeah. one song that I kind of liked, but, um, you know, it was nothing. It wasn't anything uh, special, per se. I like the the Scissor album. I like, oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, Mo- I like Molly Music. Um, uh... 
I've been stuck on the Step Brothers. The Rose the Rose Rosecrans album by DJ Quick was is probably one of the best I've heard in a while. Period. It's really good. All right, I need I need to check that. It's called, out. Yeah, it's called Rosecrans. You know, and um. Uh, Snoop's latest is really good. Yeah, I was surprised by that because I, I I just yeah. wasn't expecting to do anything like nice. But when, yeah. when it came out, it, it sounded like doggy style kind of. Yeah, Snoop's Snoop's latest is real good, and um, so I, I really like that. You mentioned Step Brothers. That was that's that's a dope album. That's a dope album too. Uh, the kid JID, I think he's out of Atlanta. He's with uh, J Cole. He signed to Dreamville, and so he, you know, I like I like his too. You know, I enjoyed um, uh, David Banner's album uh, did good. Yeah, someone was telling me the other um, day that he that David Banner dropped a good album, but I, I need to listen yeah, to it first. Yeah, and I also like Freddie Gibbs' uh, latest release. It's only like six songs, but yeah. six really good songs. Yeah, and I got a chance to see him for the first time in concert a few weeks ago he puts on a, an amazing show yeah I, I, that's that's one I, I really want to see live I want to see Freddie Gibbs and Anderson Park live those are like two dudes I gotta see I, have, I haven't seen Anderson Park I want to see him uh, enjoy his music uh, the day before I saw uh, Freddie Gibbs I, I saw uh, Tuxedo at the same venue and they put on a wonderful show that's Tuxedo is a good Good, good, good. Feel good dance music. All right, I'll, I'm thinking, I'm gonna check some of these out. Uh, but before I let you go, because Justice's internet went out a while ago, uh, we always we ask us everybody everything you're working on uh, that you want to let the people know about, whether it be within football, outside of football. Um, nothing in particular I'm working on, man. Um, still uh, holding out the op- the, the possibility. Of, uh, of joining the organization to continue scouting. Um, if not, uh, I might still try to. Uh, I'm, I'm always down to learn. So even though I've been a pro scout before, I'd still consider uh, doing something in the intern capacity um, this summer too for camp. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, man. Oh, we'll we'll be rooting for you. So. That's going to conclude episode 28 of Setting the Edge. We'll be back next week with Baltimore Ravens safety Tony Jefferson. Uh, if you want to get into that Madden uh, giveaway competition, then go to uh, Setting Edge, at Setting Edge, and just read the instructions in the tweet. It's, it's like 300 words, so don't be an asshole about it. Just read it. Uh, all right, so that's going to wrap it up. Justice, internet died, like I said before, so... Uh, Hopefully his internet will be dead next week and I can just talk to Tony Jefferson myself. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks for coming on, George. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll be back next week. See you guys later.